We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Who should the Royals trade at the trade deadline and who should they trade for? Check it out. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. My name is Joel Penfield. Joining me tonight is Marcus Mead from Royals Weekly, who just expanded their podcast. Be sure to go subscribe and check out. They do fantastic work. They're on YouTube now. We'll we'll find a way to link their stuff. They do, they do really good work. And does the podcast with his brother, and I didn't know this, and I didn't know that you do it with someone who looks almost exactly like you. I was very confused when I see and I'm like, why is Marcus on the screen twice? I was, it definitely threw me for a loop there. We are twins. And so we often debate about who of us is better looking. And we have those, all the inside jokes and all that sort of stuff that, that come with that. But if you watch, you'll notice that he is, uh, we, we, we look a little different. Sometimes I shave my head as like a, as a, the way of cutting, he gets like a professional haircut from a professional person. I just shave all my hair off because it's, it's all leaving me anyway. And so, uh, yeah, but there are very few differences. You're going to be a little thrown if you've never seen us in person that, uh, on our YouTube channel now, Royals weekly, we're, Two people sitting side by side or in side by side screens who look very, very similar. <laughs> Who's the older twin? He, wait, yes, he is by about 15 minutes, but uh, okay. Yeah. I'm the baby of all of them. So, <laughs> well, there you go. But no, seriously, they, they do incredible work. They do they, you know, a weekly show and it goes super in depth, just like we try and do here. So, I wanted to get Marcus on for you know, some of his thoughts here uh, before we get to all of that. We got our, uh, got to throw our ad for Kansas City Strength and Conditioning here. A quick word from them. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go. And the fact that we're in the same business 
the employees are all on the same page. You know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound. It actually needs to be fixed in the weight room. Thank you, as always, to KCSE for sponsoring this show. Be sure to go check them out. If you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. So I feel like I am morally and contractually obligated to start this show by talking about Vinny Pasquantino, so I'm going to do so. Why not? He's he's the most exciting thing about the team right now. No kidding. Uh, (laughs) And I I just want to keep hammering this to people because like the when you look at the box score stats or whatever you see on you know the the board at the k or whatever stats don't look super sexy it's you know buck 43 no ps uh a little like right in the mid 650s which actually this year in baseball is about league average so that's you know that is what it is he did he did get his first hit since our last recording which was a home run on a line because of course that you know i i couldn't expect anything less from him but he's gotten on base. Like I said the on-base percentage is at 379 coming into recording today here on Wednesday. So right now, it's a perfect example of good process and bad results. And when you look at the expected stats on baseball savant, expected batting average, expected slugging, which take into account the exit velocity and launch angle of batted ball events, and they can do the data to figure out the exit velocity and launch angle of a hit has an expected batting average of this based on Thousands and thousands and thousands of batted ball data. Vinny Pasquantino coming into tonight has an expected batting average of 313 and an expected slugging of 585. Hmm. All this to say he's going to be just fine. He is doing everything he is supposed to be doing. It's just the results and the, the luck have not come his way. But he does look out of place. As I mentioned last week, he looks super comfortable in the box. He knows his approach. He has done a great job of getting to 2 0. And he knows, like, he's able to hunt his pitch. He gets that pitch, and he's just fouling it off right now. I mean, that's kind of the same thing we saw Bobby Wood Jr. early on, where he would get that pitch, and he'd just miss it. And now you're starting to see Bobby starting to get to that pitch a little more and actually put it in play and get a hit on it. Vinny's going to get to that point, too. It's all about the learning process, but the the process in which Vinny's going about things right now makes me think he's just he's going to be perfectly fine. Yeah, if anything, I'm actually pleasantly surprised at how quickly that transition happened. Like there was no bump in the road for him, really. I mean, no. we look at the, the there's you would completely understand if a guy got to the major leagues and started trying to do more than he should, or started trying to you know do have a tough time had a tough time adjusting, was trying to do like hit a home run every time he got up there, or impress the coaches or things like that. He hasn't. He has been the exact same guy that he was down in AAA, the exact same plate appearances, just taking walks when he needs to take walks. You know, finding balls, hitting them hard. Eventually, those will start to fall. You know that they will for him. You hit enough line drives, you hit them hard enough, they're going to be doubles. They're going to be home runs. He's got a couple base hits already. As you said, the expected numbers are really, really good for him. The the weighted runs created plus right now is 111 for him. He's 11% above league average right now as a hitter. It just so happens he only has 29 plate appearances, you know? And so I've been really, really pleasantly surprised that the transition has been 
so smooth for him so far. It doesn't look like he's really going to have that much trouble at all moving into the major leagues. He's not, doesn't look like he's going to have what a lot of guys have had going from AAA to the majors, which is this major adjustment period where they look really, really struck. They struggled mightily to start. He doesn't look like he's going to have that because his plate approach is so, so good. And that's really great to see because as a Royals fan, you're used to guys struggling when they get to the major league level. You're used to that really disappointing thing. It's nice to have a guy who had so much hype do really well to start. Eventually the hits will come and it'll be all at once. Cause that's what he did in the minors too. He, yep. He's the type of dude who, yeah, he'll, he'll have an O for 10 stretch and then he'll go, you know, eight for his next 15 or something like that. He's the type of dude who will do that occasionally. And so, but he's taking walks the whole time. He's putting in uh, great plate appearances. So I'm not worried at all. Cause he's helping the offense all the time. Vinny kind of staying within himself is part of the reason why he probably got called up before Nick Prado. And that's, and I'm not, this is not me taking a shot at Nick Prado, but I think the strikeouts, I think part of Nick Prado probably would have come out. And I think he would have struck out a hell of a lot more than Vinny has to this point. So I think Vinny being able to, to work in the walks and the hard hit balls and work and see more pitches I think is probably part of the reason why. And Vinny's not trying to be something he's not. And with, with Prado being a younger player, I think that could be part of why they made that that move. And that was a move that I've been I was kind of waiting on since probably March. I said that Vinny was going to get called up before Nick, and that's been the case. And I think all the reasons why I thought that, that would be with Vinny having a more advanced approach, he's not going to strike out as much. The ceiling may be lower, but the floor is much higher. And we're starting to kind of see that come through right now. Yeah. And I think that the floor is much more likely with Vinny Pasquantino. And so Correct. while while the floor with Prado is, you know, maybe the ceiling is higher with Prado, but the odds of him ever hitting it are pretty long at this point. Oh, yeah. Because the odds of him like lowering his strikeout rate to, let's say, the low 20s, which would be great for him. The odds of that happening in the jump from AAA to the majors or even while he's in the major leagues aren't great. They're actually kind of pretty long. Maybe he'll be fine. He'll have a fine MLB career if he strikes out at 28, 29% and walks as frequently as he does and has that kind of power. He'll have a very good MLB career and he'll help the Royals a lot. But his ceiling is if he could lower that strikeout rate to something like 20, 21%, then he'd really be dominating. He'd really be a valuable piece in the middle of the lineup. The thing I think people underrate in terms of the value of having a Vinny Pascantino and bringing him up is the way it lengthens the lineup. And you're oh, really yeah. seeing that with the offensive production that they're having well, in the game tonight, for example, or, or like generally speaking, since he's been up, he is lengthening that lineup in a really important way. Anytime you replace a hitter, even who is as hot as Santana was, but really replace a hitter who is not great with a guy like Vinny Pascantino, who's going to always have good at bats, who's going to always have that power potential. Anytime you do that, it lengthens that lineup. If anybody asks, like, what's the most important thing for an offense in Major League Baseball? I'm not saying having great hitters. I'm saying having a lot of good hitters. Look at look at uh, Los Angeles, the way they the Angels, the way Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani are, are in that lineup. And sometimes they don't score that many runs because they have the two best players in baseball and a bunch of other guys who nobody would want on their team. And it's like, you know. You need length. You need it to be good one through nine, or at the very least one through seven or eight. And right now, adding a guy like Vinny Pascantino to the middle just really supplements and makes that lineup longer. Yeah, 
it, it's really funny to me how when they were talking about you know when they were kind of hesitant to call him up they wanted to see the lip service of him wanting 500 to 550 at bats and they don't want to put too much pressure on him and it took all of two friggin games for mike Matheny to put him in the cleanup spot yeah, yeah that's great uh, it, it just yeah this makes me chuckle uh, is all, no, no pressure all. Vinny. you're now no our, pressure, our Vinny, four yeah. hitter <laughs> And you know that Vinny probably just went, all right, dude, let's go with a good, with a good laugh and went out and did his thing. Vinny Pasquantino has been hitting three or four in every lineup he's ever hit in his whole life. Pretty okay? much. Yeah. He's, he's fine. He doesn't care where he hits in the lineup. It doesn't matter. Like, but it, what matters is he's an additional good hitter and you really needed that in this lineup. Exactly. So another thing that I thought coming into the year was going to be better than it has been is the bullpen. And at times it has been good. Uh, but it's super inconsistent and I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of how I want to word this or how I want to go about this because I think that there are pieces in the bullpen that are good, but are they being deployed correctly? They're obviously not being coached correctly. We know that uh, for on uh, multiple fronts. So I, I don't know where to put blame here. Like I know Amir Guerra has not, that signing has not worked out. It was a buy low, it was a buy low trade. I still, I have no issue with them making that move and hoping that it works. And I, for one, I'm shocked that Cal Eldred couldn't figure it out how to maximize him. But the, it's, I think it's just the deployment of multiple of these guys in situations where they're not going to succeed. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Like it is, obviously the players have performed and, they, and a lot of them have not done that in multiple spots, especially in this Astros series is on the coaching staff for the pitching coaching staff for not getting these guys in the right mindset and coaching them through some of these things. And it's on Mike Matheny for not deploying them properly. So it's just a whole bag of shit basically is what we're seeing. It's just, it's a problem. And, and Scott Barlow is awesome. And you gave up a 440 foot home run to Jordan Alvarez. Congrats. A lot of other dudes have. Mm -hmm. Let's just like, I'm not, I'm not mad about that. It's the previous other moves that they made by sending Joel Piamps out for two innings the other day against Detroit, which didn't make sense. Bring in Amir Garrett and not a clean inning when he has struggled in his previous two outings. It was the deployment of Colin Snyder in clean innings, which apparently he couldn't pitch in. Well, it was it was thinking Colin Snyder was ready to pitch in a ma- in a major league bullpen anyway. Like that to me, right. I understand that it looked like he shoved in, in in spring training. But how many innings did he pitch in spring training? Like seven, you know? Like yeah, you don't, that, so you don't make bullpen decisions based on spring training performance. Like you just can't. Like right. Um, but the problem was they needed arms, and so I think when we ask ourselves like, well, why is this bullpen worse than we thought it would be, and it as bad as it is because it is among the worst in baseball, we have to say like it's a perfect storm. When you're this bad as a bullpen, it has to be multiple things going wrong. Yeah. One of the, but it is all systemic, right? It is all ultimately the result of bad pitching, bad pitching coaching. Really. It is overall the result of the people in charge of the pitching in this organization, whether it be signing pitchers, whether it be coaching pitchers, developing pitchers have been bad. They've all been bad at it. And as a result, you get a, a bullpen that is, dead last in walk rate, right? At 4.73 walks per nine. That is tied for 27th in war at 0.3. They've almost been just replacement level. That's how bad they've been, right? And so 
when that perfect storm hits, it's not just because the bullpen has been bad. It's also because the rotation has been bad. And so the bullpen has been used a bunch. And when they get used a bunch, they got to bring in guys. Nobody would reasonably play if they didn't have to have guys, right? Like, and so I don't think in an ideal situation, Matt Peacock gets as many innings as he's gotten for no. the Royals this year. And he's, he's on the Blue Jays now. And now he's a Blue Jay, right? Like, because they needed a DFA him because they needed more guys. And like, so they're constantly in this process of like, just looking for and scrounging for arms. You know, Abreu, you remember him, they got him and then Royals legend Albert Abreu. Yes, Royals legend Albert Abreu at this point. Um, They got him, they traded Johans Morel for him. He was on the team for maybe two weeks. They DFA'd him and he got picked up by the Yankees. They are cycling through relievers right now at a pace that is insane. Why? Because they need, they need innings. And so- when you're constantly behind the eight ball like they are, it's one, the result of bad process. It starts with bad process and everything trickles down from there. It's bad process with the with the pitching development. It's bad process with the pitching coaching. So starters don't go very deep and you have to lean on a bullpen. Oh, yeah, they, they're walking too many guys. You got to get a new guy in and, and it all just cascades from there. You know, it, it, and you're, there's no way to, there's no way to patch it over either. You're not going to patch over bad pitching coaching and bad pitching development, not in a in season anyway, maybe if they go get somebody in the off season or a few guys in the off season, but there's really no way to get better until we start replacing things at a foundational level. And that means replacing a pitching coach and maybe replacing pitching development guys. Yeah. And the, this kind of, and this is a, I'm a Matheny thing too, because a, a lot of, one of the biggest issues that I saw Cardinals fans talk about aside from, locker room culture and things like that was bullpen management or lack thereof and could not manage one for over the course of a full season. He overused guys chasing every win. And that has still been the thing that people have talked about, which I think has led to that tense, quiet locker room that I talked about with Josh last week, like trying to, in an attempt to chase every win, he has taxed the bullpen and already where we're, it is July 6th. And these guys are probably already thrown about Scott Barlow's probably thrown 10 to 12 more innings than he's had to. There are other guys that have probably thrown six to eight more than they should have at this point. I can, if these guys are wearing down now and already starting to, to show cracks in the armor now, I can only imagine we get to August when there's already, he's already still nothing to play for and they're still managing to blow games. Like mm-hmm. it's right. just I, a, it's all bad. I, I, I try, I'm trying to, to not try and make everything bad and awful, but everything is bad and awful. <laughs> it certainly feels all bad and awful, especially when you can't throw strikes, right? And that that is like this fundamental thing as a reliever you have to do is throw strikes. Oddly, if you look at the, I looked it up like a week ago, expecting to see that they had thrown the most innings of any bullpen in the league. They've actually only thrown the 15 most innings. Oh, wow. So they're right in the middle of the inning in terms of most innings thrown. But that doesn't actually tell the whole story, right? It's all about the usage of the guys that are actually throwing those innings. Exactly, right? It's it's also about like how they get used in games and when they were used throughout the season. So like they were torn up really early. Like really early, they had a lot of starters not going very deep into games. And so really early, they had to start throwing a lot of innings. And then they took their foot off the gas with the bullpen a little bit. They had just, they had some starters going a little deeper sometimes. But by then, the bullpen was toast. Then they had a long run of games in there. Remember, they played 19 games in 17 yep. days at one point, And that just tore through their bullpen. And they're cycling guys in and out. And it's like, anytime you're doing that, the next guy you go to is going to be even worse than the last guy in your bullpen. And yep. so, you know, that's how the Matt Peacocks of the world get a lot of, a lot of playing time. That's how... 
you know, other Albert Abreu's end up getting traded for and things like that. There, there are positives. That's what I, I was having this conversation with Mike on, on an episode of Royals weekly a couple weeks ago. The weird thing is I can point to five or six guys in this bullpen and say, I don't hate them being in the bullpen. No, like I, I don't hate Jose Quas in the bullpen. Barlow is obviously one of the most valuable relievers in Major League Baseball. Stamont is, is pretty good, but he's injured right now. You know, I, I don't hate Piomps. I think Piomps has pitched really well this year. Yep. You know, Dylan Coleman is obviously has remarkable stuff and is very talented. You know, you can point to the guys who have a lot of talent in this bullpen. I think you were right with your original point. Like it's just about how they've been deployed and sort of the ways in which they've been used. And then the depth, you have to have depth because if you're going to go through 10, 12, 14 guys in the bullpen, you can't, you can't have guys in there like the Matt Peacocks of the world. You can't have guys in there who are going to like Amir Garrett, who are going to throw up seven, eight earned run averages. That's just going to, that's going to destroy you. I do want to throw out this stat as well. Don't think that this bullpen isn't striking guys out because they are striking guys out. Yep. They're eighth in strikeout or yeah. Eighth in major league baseball and strikeouts at 8.29 per, per nine. That's really good. The big thing, the crux of the thing, and this is a Cal Eldred staple here. They walk way too many guys that yep. taxes them more. That makes them, you know, it's all cascading it's extra from pitches, there. right? It all cascades from there. Yeah. The, the day that these guys get a break, generally speaking, are John Heasley days. Cause mm-hmm. outside of the blow up he had against Texas earlier last week on that Tuesday, he goes and you know, you're going to get at least five innings, sometimes six or more. And it's going to be, a, he's going to give up two runs, walk maybe one or two, strike out four or five, and keep you in the game. And you need guys like that. I'm hoping that as the season goes, we get more starts like what we've seen from John Heasley so far, who's been the most consistent pitcher that the Royals have had all season. I'm not saying he's spectacular by any stretch, but he's been the most consistent because you know what you're going to get start to start. And that's what coaches are really managers are really looking for. They want to know what they're going to get. Oddly, um, Brad Keller will occasionally give the Royals mm-hmm. one of those starts where oh, yeah. a, f- a few of them in a row sometimes. Occasionally but, being the operative yeah. word, though. Yeah, and that's the problem, right? Is you, you can't that you have to have guys in your rotation. Like remember Easy Ed Volquez when he was with the Royals in in their steady 14, Eddie. 15 yeah. Run? yeah, he was steady, and that's what that's what was great about him. Even guys like Guthrie and Chris Young, you felt like you knew what you were going to get out of those kind of guys a lot of the time, especially mm-hmm. in the years that they were really on, you know, they need guys that they feel that they can feel like are reliable for them. Even if it's going to be three runs in six innings, it's okay. I know that that's what I'm going to get. I know we're going to have to score four or five this game. That's fine, but you need to go out there and be a little bit more consistent and predictable, but you can't be that when you're walking people. This yeah. is why walks are so bad as a pitching staff. If you are a like, if your pitching coach comes in and it's a culture of walking people, you're in huge, huge trouble. And that's what it is for the Royals right now. It is a culture of walking hitters. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I have reached like the grieving point of acceptance. Like I'm not, it's just, it is what it is. I just want to get through this year and pray that they make changes because I know that they're not, it's not going to happen mid season. And I've said that for a couple of weeks now, like we know it's not. So we might as well just sit back and just go, that's why I'm trying not to complain about it too much on social media. Will I still screenshot the mound visit? Absolutely, because <laughs> it's just a bit at this point. But fans should really know what's being lost as a result of that. I feel like oh, we yeah. don't we don't talk enough about the opportunity cost of not making moves, right? Like we, we talk about like it feels like Dayton Moore is one of the most conservative 
presidents or general managers. We can call Piccolo the general manager since that's what he is. But whoever whoever's running this team right now and has been for the last 15 years, 16 years, is one of the most conservative leaders of a baseball team that there is. Just does not make moves, be they trades, be they signings, be they coaching changes, whatever. Something is lost when you do not make that move to fire that pitching coach. And that's a year's worth of development for Brady Singer and, and Daniel oh, Lynch yeah. and Brad Keller. These guys are 25, 26 now, okay? Brad Keller is not young anymore. Brady Singer is not young anymore. Daniel Lynch is not young anymore. You are losing a year of their service time. You are using a year's worth of development. You could even be using it, losing a guy's entire career if – what he's done is lost confidence and now has no clue what he's doing up there on the mound. The, the consequences are that potentially that large. I don't know why they're not making moves because the opportunity costs of not doing it are enormous. But he has a great attitude. <laughs> but he's a great husband and father, which is which really matters to me. You know, if you're if you're listening to Rex, he's really a father figure for these players. And so, you know, he's their daddy if you listen to him. So, you know, who wants to fire their daddy? You can feel the pain in my voice right now. <laughs> I guess. I was sitting in the third deck of the game last Tuesday watching for, for Vinny's debut, and Eldred walks out there to talk to Heasley. And the guy three seats down from me just goes, oh, God, here we go. And I'm like, okay, at least I know it's not just me that does this. Um, that at least made me feel a little bit better inside. <laughs> that we're all commiserating as we all see the, the slow walk out to the mound to then – it all go to hell in a handbasket more than it already had prior to the said mountain visit. I'd say it gets better, but I, there's really no evidence to No. Well, good news is folks, the Royals will be back this weekend at Kauffman stadium, playing the Cleveland guardians. Uh, we're going to just go out and have, watch this team. I, they still need our, like they need our, the guys on the field need our support. Yeah, they're, they're scoring they, runs. You like to see runs scored? Hey, offense the offense is, is fun right now, man. Yeah, like yeah. it actually is legitimately fun to watch. And the, the higher of Alex Zumwalt is certainly like has ha played a massive, massive part in that. Uh, and if you're looking to take your crew out to the K this summer, be sure to check out our friends at tickets for less tickets for less.com has the best selection of tickets for all your favorite sporting events, concerts, and shows, including the Royals tickets for less never charges per ticket fees, saving you big time over other sites out there. You can even save more when you use our exclusive partner code at checkout, simply enter the code KCSN 22 when ordering your seats at ticketsforless.com. That code again, KCSN 22. I used that when I went to the game last Tuesday for Vinny's debut. So it does work and I'm not just serving you lip service here. So go and use it, check it out. If you're supporting us and you're supporting tickets for less. We will Who be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. So I've made it a point on this show because I feel like with watching a last place team that I, A, don't want to just sunshine pump because there's no reason to do that, that no one would pay attention. But I also don't want to be all doom and gloom, so I try and find some sort of balance. But I feel it is very cathartic to have some sort of little like airing of grievances, little mini session every episode now. So is there something you would like to, to vent about this week? There is one thing that got me earlier this week. Like okay. I'm a generally optimistic person, right? So I, I see the positives here. This team can hit their offense looks really good. Their future lineup looks really good. Their half their team basically looks good, you know, and that's, that's something to be positive about. Yeah. And so they changed the pitching, maybe the, the people leading the pitchers, things might turn around for this team, but then I read something like this from J.J. Piccolo. This is an article written uh, by Alec Lewis of The Athletic, who, and he quotes J.J. Piccolo talking about the trade deadline and making trades and things like that as saying, quote, we're pretty quiet. We don't necessarily shop our players, J.J. Piccolo says. I nearly lost my mind when I read that. I was like, why the hell don't you shop your players? Like, wh- wh- why not? And he, he goes on to explain well, we don't want them reading their names in the rumor columns and stuff like that. And I'm they like, know the... what is going on? They know that they're being, they know they play for a team that is 20 games under 500. And as a result, they may get traded. Like they know how baseball works. This isn't their first day, you know, in being involved. If I know how it works, they know how it works. And so that is nuts to me. Like you are a get, like near last place team in major league baseball. You're competing for next year's first overall pick right? You need talent as in a bad way, right? You need talent as bad as any team in major league baseball. You should be shopping your players. You should be working the phones all the time, trying to find whatever team is willing to give you the most return for whatever player or player package you have. That is your job. You should be shopping your players. The notion that like, we're not going to do that because we don't want to hurt their feelings. I just, I can't, I can't get on board with that. I, that is a, that is bonkers to me. I, I, I listened to that interview that Josh and Alex did on Royals Farm Report with Kyle Body, and he was talking, is it Body? I think that's Bodie. how you pronounce it. Bodie, Kyle Bodie. Um, and he was talking about how like, you know, 
people love Dayton more because he's like, a, you know, loyal to his players and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, it's a business and, and one team wins and 29 teams lose. And it's like, yes, please tell me that you understand that it is your job to get this team to win baseball games with comments like we're pretty quiet. We don't necessarily shop our players. I don't think they understand that is showing that they do not understand that their job one is to win. Yeah. And I, I understand. I think that I, I'll count, I'll try and counter a little bit because there was another quote from JJ Piccolo. It might've been on uh, the radio. I don't quite remember where I saw it. I saw Alex posted it from the Royals farm account about JJ talking about him being more of an aggressive, more aggressive when it comes mm-hmm. to make wanting to make moves like that, than Dayton and others in the front office. So mm-hmm. I think he was speaking generally about, they don't want to, sh- they don't want to shop them. And I, and I, I get it to a degree. Like I understand. And I think that's just kind of the human side of the Royals. Right. Like, I think that's where some of that comes from. They still make trades. It's not like they don't. Yeah. So they still like, are will- it's a willingness to make a move, but also not just jumping at the first move because I think JJ knows how important this, this trade deadline is for the mm-hmm. future of the organization to get an influx of talent that they need. So mm-hmm. if you want, and, and he's even said they've been working the phones the last couple of weeks about Ben and Tendi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what that says to me is that they wait for people to come to them with interest in players. Yeah. And, I'm, I'm not that guy. Like uh, I'm like a, you, you can identify the teams in the league who need a left fielder who can hit, right? You can identify the teams in the league. You should have a list of players that you're hopeful to trade, right? That you want to get, you know, something in return for, and you should be out there talking to teams that need those things. You should be out there talking to teams that need a center fielder and maybe a reliever or a left fielder and a reliever. You know, you should be looking for, for things to do there and actively getting out there because you don't know whether or not, you're leaving a team out who could be in on that player yeah. who could have guys that you want, right? Like you don't know if you're not reaching out to those teams who need those things. Like, so, you know, I'm, I'm more of a be proactive than reactive when you're, when you're doing this Correct. sort of thing, especially when you need so much more talent, especially on the pitching end, like they do. Yeah, no doubt about it. But also do you really want to bring in more pitching? Like pitching I know that's right a, it's always, it's always a catch. Thing, it's always right? a catch 22, but you got to do something, man. Right. You gotta do no, something. I mean, yeah. You got to do something. So. I, I totally agree. When do you think we're going to start seeing some significant movement on the pitching side or like on the, the trading side? Let's see. Uh, deadlines in early August, August 2nd, I believe. What's the schedule look like? Sometimes the schedule will sometimes dictate so, it. All-star break is not next week, but the week after it would not surprise me if we see something, we see some activity during the break to give times guys time to travel and things like that. It wouldn't surprise me if you see some stuff during the break, I think if I were Dayton or JJ, I would be interested in getting those guys out as quickly as possible because right now you have a log jam in some places, especially yep. position player wise in the outfield. There's a log jam like Kyle Isbell and Edward Olivares should both be playing five to six times a week. And right now Kyle Isbell is playing one to two times a week because Michael A. Taylor is still here because Ben Intendi still here. They just can't, don't have enough room to get all these guys in. And so if I were them, I'd be looking to move them as soon as possible. I think, I don't know what they're doing. I don't, I don't know. I, because I don't know the level of interest because I don't even know if they're interested in shopping my Michael A. Taylor at all. Yeah. Like I would be, but I don't think they are. Uh, And so like Ben and I think it's gotta be in the next week or two. Like, why would you hold on to him? You just risk injury. You risk, you know, a dip in performance. It makes no sense to hang on to him for three or four weeks until the deadline, get what you can. Now there's gotta be teams in on them now, get it now. And then, you know, Shop, get more of your guys in. So I'd say next week or two for, for Benintendi, it would be my expectation. 
I think that we'll see Andrew Benintendi go after the All-Star break. Why? Why wait? Because he's going to be the Royals, more than likely, the one of the Royals' participants. Mm. Like, I think Scott Barlow probably will be as well. You can't select pitchers, but I think he's going to end up uh, he's going to end up there as well. And I think the Royals probably want to have their guys in the All-Star game, and then you make that move. Not saying that's the right move, but I'm saying right. that would be the very Royals thing to do. That would be the Royals thing to do. Like you can start, they'll probably start like taking serious offers. And the minute he comes out of the game, he gets his one at bat. And once he comes out of the game, then they'll start working the phones. Yeah. See, to me, that makes no sense because you're, you're, you are running a huge risk. We saw Bobby Wood Jr. hit in the hand by a pitch last night. All it takes is one of those and you get nothing for Benintendi, right? Like, yep, that's all it takes. And so the second I get something that I think is, is a good value for him, he's gone. I'd be packaging him with a reliever of some kind. I know yep. uh, Scott Barlow has a lot of value as a reliever, so you should get primo return for him if you decide to move him. But it doesn't have to be him, right? It can be a guy like, you know, maybe Piams has some value as a reliever because he's had a really good year. You know, Stamon is hurt right now. I, I don't think team is probably as high on him as some others, some other guys in the bullpen. But, you know, I'd be looking to move some relievers who I think could get some return, and I'd be looking to package those with Benintendi to make that return something significant. I've been saying it for weeks, Benny and Barlow for Jordan Groshans and let's party. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that'll do, you know, like, um, it's weird. If the, because, Rays, if, the, if the Rays come calling on a reliever, don't answer the phone. <laughs> well, what's weird is like, when I, when I think about who do I want that them to target in these trades, what do I want them to go after? I love the Groshans idea because, you know, he's, I think the Royals would turn him into a really, really good player. Third base and a, a yeah. third baseman that they and he's a third baseman need. and they need third base, right? And so that's a really good that's a really good get if they could get somebody like Groshans or any good third base prospect. At the same time, I ask myself, what does this team really need? Where do they really struggle? It's pitching. Like yeah. they cannot pitch. And that's the real deficiency of this team. Could they patch over their third base issues? Probably. They could probably patch over their third base issues, get a get a platoon of Rivera and somebody else, or or find something, right? Like they or maybe Massey solves that problem eventually for them. Um, or Lofton. They need pitch starting pitching in the worst way, like so badly that I just but at, I mean you've you mentioned it. There's nothing that's going to solve the problem of Cal Eldred except for firing him. And so, you know, but I think you got to go for pitching. That's, that's the thing I'd be targeting if I were doing this, because whether it's Cal Eldred's fault or not, you're only helping yourself. You get more and more talented pitching. Yeah. Being able to, to stack more pitching is certainly something this team could use, but it goes back to the old saying of there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Mm -hmm. So you, you're taking a significant risk, bringing on yeah. someone else's and if they're willing to trade them, unless they're like super desperate, then there's probably a reason why they're willing to move off of them. Well, I think, I think of guys like uh, Logan Allen in Cleveland. Now I know for some antiquated, stupid reason, Piccolo and stuff like that would never trade in division, which I think is ridiculous, but a guy like Logan Allen for Cleveland, a team that is rich in pitching anyway, a guy who's in AAA, who's had a couple starts here, I think, or no, no, I'm thinking of a different guy, uh, a guy who's in AAA, had a lot of success, but isn't like, thought to be a front end guy. Yeah. He's the type of guy I would target, right? I would I want a guy like Logan Allen for Cleveland and say and you know what? Honestly, they could use a center fielder if they want to make a run of some sort. My, Michael A. Taylor, bullpen arm, 
boom, you got Logan Allen. Maybe just Michael A. Taylor because he's got an extra year. But that type of pitcher, a guy who is successful right now in AAA but is going to have a hard time breaking into their rotation, that's who I'd be targeting. Yeah, I, I think that would that would be a good move, uh, but I don't think they would ever trade with Cleveland. They will never do it. They will never yeah. do it. Michael A. Taylor to Philly feels way too obvious, but I also don't know if I want to trade with Philly because their farm system is so horrifically bad it is. that the return would be like it would be kind of gross no matter who you get. What's the rule? And I, I, pardon me because I, I they changed so much with the new CBA. Could they trade for someone who is just drafted this year? Could Philly go out and draft somebody? And they trade for them? I don't think so. I okay. I, I think right. that might have been something that. they carried over from signed. the old probably wouldn't, be, probably wouldn't be signed in time anyway. But no. um, yeah, you're right. I don't. I really don't like Philly's farm system either. And you're right because he makes perfect sense there. Boy, what a, what a defender like him would do for a team like that. Like yeah. sometimes you can have a really bad defensive team, and you just plug in a guy in one of the most important defensive positions, and you start looking way better defensively. Um, I'd almost be. And I don't think this, I don't think they'd ever make this trade straight up or whatever. Like maybe the Royals have to throw somebody in, like a double A pitcher or something, just to sweeten the pot. But I'm confident enough in the Royals hitting development that maybe they can get something out of Mickey Moniak. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That that those like, are guys gonna, we're targeting too. Yeah. That would absolutely. be I, I just thought of that. I, I hadn't really thought of that before. If you but, don't know who he is, he's like a former first round pick. He was one who, one. Yeah, he was 1-1, who has not panned out offensively yet. And so he's the type of guy, he'd be kind of like a reclamation project for them. But you buy low there, and maybe their hitting development would, turns them into something special. I would stick him in AAA for the rest of the year and just have him, and whenever he is not playing, he is in a cage with Drew Saylor and with a bucket of balls and a tee and just working on stuff. I, yeah. I trust the combination of Tosar, Zumwalt, and Saylor that I think they could get something out of him. I don't know if they would ever make that move. I don't know if the Phillies would make that move, but if the I think Phillies the Phillies would make that move, the Phillies are desperate enough. I think that they would be willing make, to, I think they'd make that move because I think they're waiting to give up on him. I think they, they're, they're just yeah. waiting for something that'll get them value for him because you know, it just hasn't worked out for him there and great. Give him a change of scenery. Maybe that that'll work out. Another thing that, is a radical idea that I hope the Royals are considering is trading with non-contending teams. So I think that they should think about like they were talking, there was talks of Frankie Montas before the season. What if they could get him and find a way to give him an extension? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't love it though. I I know I'm not, I am not very high on Frankie Montas. I know the Royals need pitching. They do need reliable pitching. He's hurt right now. Like he, he left his start after one inning this past week. The the A I think the A's overplayed their hand there by not sealing a deal either with the Royals or with anybody else. Uh, and this, maybe it's it not him. Goes, maybe it's maybe it's a guy like him, a guy who's yeah. on a non-contending team. But you know, like okay, he's got a year left of starting pitching. You know, maybe we think we can extend him if he comes in or something like that. Because honestly, this is dream scenario, right? I'm just talking in dreams right now. Let's say they fire their pitching coach this offseason and bring in somebody who knows what they're, he's doing. There's no reason why this rotation and, and bullpen couldn't take a significant step forward. Oh, yeah. And then you have an offense that has been top 10 the last month and a pitching staff that took a significant step forward. Like, I'm not saying they can contend next year because they can't, but you're one 
pitching coach and pitching coordinators or pitching development people away from having a decent, you know, and maybe a, a little bit, another pitcher somewhere, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. don't sell on the idea that I'm fine with getting a guy who only has one year beyond this or two years beyond this. It doesn't have to be a prospect in my mind to be valuable for us. You know, I know it seems like it does, but we got a lot of pitching prospects. We got a lot of good ones. It's, it's coaching that's needed to help them. We might need a guy who helps bridge to them or who helps us be con, you know contenders and maybe we can extend him or something like that. I think that would be useful for the Royals as well. What about a guy like Herman Marquez? I know he has yes. not pitched well this year at all, but get him out of Coors. Like, you know, I'll take yeah, that. He's, he's the only dude that's had legitimate success pitching at Coors Field. He's gotten roughed up this year, but you get him away from there, maybe there's something. And that was a, yeah. a move that Josh talked about preseason that that would be a move the Royals could make. Yeah, the, it's those types of moves that I think are going to be they need to be thinking outside the box for what's going to help this rotation because that's their biggest weakness. I know they know it there, but they need to be thinking outside the box for ways to solve that problem. Step one will obviously be changing pitching coaches when the time comes, but for now get whatever talent you can in the pitching pipeline. And hopefully it ends up, you know, quantity over quality. You end up solving some of these rotation spots. Yep. Absolutely. You have any final thoughts before we get out of here for this one, Marcus? My final thought is, Let's let's revel in the excitement of this offense right now. You know, let's let's let's. I know it's easy to be down on you know, Cal Eldred and the pitching staff, and it is bad. But at least we get to watch team score runs a lot. At least we get to watch much better plate appearances. This is the team I actually kind of thought it would be coming into the season. Um, you know, struggle pitching, really good 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 offense. And so let's watch a fireworks show every other night. That that sounds fun to me. Just win one damn game in Houston. It's all <laughs> win one game. I haven't checked on well, the score of the game right now, but we'll see. As of recording, it is, I believe, four to one Royals, five to one Royals. Hey, hey, in hey. the bottom of the fourth. Hey, hey, hey. Can five one Ke- bottom five one bottom four. Go the distance, Keller. You don't necessarily want to hand it to this bullpen right now. <laughs> Not at the moment. Well, unless it's Scott Barlow. Just yeah. Make it to the ninth. Yeah, please. Make it to the eighth. <laughs> Well, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Really appreciate it. And we will talk to you all next week.